0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. My name is Dwayne Spearman, and this is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is September the 24th, 2020. Hope you and yours are doing well. Uh, We are continuing to work our way through the book of Acts, and we we find ourselves in Acts chapter number 20 uh, today. Uh, Last time we were together, uh, we uh, got down... Uh, to Paul is now in Troas, uh, verse number 6 of chapter number 20, but we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, And five days later, we joined the others at Troas, where we stayed another seven days. And on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. And Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Get my right translation there. Um, he kept talking until midnight. Um, back up here and get my verses. There you go. Uh, bear in mind, we talked about this last time, that we are in the midst of, uh, of Passover. Uh, and you remember I showed you how Passover flowed Last time you passed over unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost. Um, while Passover is the 14th, unleavened is the 15th, first fruits is the 16th, and then 50 days after that is uh, is first fruits. Um, ready to part tomorrow, he, he continued to. So, let, let me back up verse 6 as seven days and upon the first day of the week um, when the disciples came together to break bread Paul, Paul preached unto them because he's ready to depart tomorrow so when it says the first day of the week there um, we are in the midst of like I said we're between um, unleavened bread and Pentecost uh, so some would say the phrase first day of the week is speaking of the first of the seven Sabbaths <clears throat> that had to take place until Pentecost. And, of course, you can study that in Leviticus 23. Uh, you count seven, seven, seven Sabbaths to land at Pentecost. So Paul, uh, the night before he was sent to out to Jerusalem, he preached until, until midnight. Um, and then verse number eight, and there was many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen in deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, I bet we've all been accused of doing that, he sank down with, a, with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. A um, little speculation as to whether or not Eutychus actually died. Um, because in the next verse, and Paul went down and fell on him, and embraced him and said trouble not for his life is in him so that either, that either means that Paul immediately uh, performed a miracle and restored life to him or he was just tending to him and he was unconscious or knocked out um, we don't know for sure and i'm not i'm definitely not one i remember when i was in uh, a young guy young man and i went to a university in upstate north carolina christian southern baptist school the uh professor new testament just seemed that his goal in life was to make sure that every miracle in the bible was explained naturally i mean that's that's all he did um i I don't understand people who think like that i mean god who created the heavens and the earth flung the stars into space um you know why would you think that he couldn't raise someone from the dead or he couldn't part the Red Sea you know or he couldn't make a mountain rumble you know I just I don't understand why the drive uh, to push away the supernatural in the Bible our our whole salvation the very fact that there's a God is supernatural uh, and yet they try to push it all away I to be honest with you, I doubt their salvation. I think they have a a mental knowledge of God. Um, they are religious for sure, uh, but that they, I just have a hard time believing they believe in the same God that uh, that I that you and I do. Uh, but they spent they make it their life's work to undermine uh, supernatural in the Scripture. But I, I don't think that's the case here. I mean, Paul's done plenty of things. I mean. Even if he didn't quote raise this guy from the dead, he still revived him, and continued to preach. So I don't I don't think an attempt there would be made to under, undermine scripture, if you went either or with that. Um, but uh, again, I'm I'm just surprised at how many people do spend their whole lives uh, trying to spend uh, to you know uh, talk down the miracles in scripture, when the very fact that we have a supernatural God. That sent his only begotten Son, who's going to come back and rapture us out of here, second coming. I mean, the Bible is full of supernatural. So why would you start trying to spin things away? Um, but that's what they do. And again, I I doubt their position in the first place. To be honest with you, um, I ended up in front of the school dean in regards to this one professor. Um, because he said that uh, the the resurrection was not critical to the gospel, so apparently he did not believe in the resurrection. Instead, he believed in a the swoon theory um, that Paul literally, I guess, exactly what we're talking about here: uh, Jesus didn't actually die; he swooned, he passed out, he was overcome and then was later revived in his tomb. Well, I mean, the problem with that is if Christ didn't raise himself from the dead, then how could we possibly expect that he would raise us from the dead? I mean, when you you explain away one thing, you're going to have a problem someplace else. It's like, <clears throat> uh, I read a book by Tulloch. Old Testament uh, guy who said that the, the children of Israel did not actually cross the Red Sea. They crossed the Reed Sea and the water was only ankle deep and that there was this wind that blew that made the water look like it was parting. Well, problem there is uh, all of Pharaoh's army... Uh, drowned in ankle deep water. Then, uh, so <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you, you know, you dismiss one, you're going to create another one. Why not just believe the word of God? Uh, why not just admit that we're not God? Uh, live lives of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, there is no salvation. How about we just go down the faith? Uh, substance thinks things hope for the evidence of not. Things not seen. How about we go down that road is my, my, uh, my uh, advice there. Um, good morning, Scott. Um, notice verse 13. And we went up before to ship and sailed unto Asos, there intending to take in Paul. Now, pretty obvious from the text that Paul's not writing here. And we went before to ship and were intending to take in Paul. Uh, obviously, this is Luke. Uh, he's the one writing. Um, so, and of course, they are being pressed to make it to Jerusalem before the day of Pentecost, um, as we mentioned when we talked about that that first day of the week uh, back here. This first day of the week here, not necessarily referring to Sunday, but referring to uh, the Sabbath, the 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 sabbaths that have to take place between um, unleavened bread and Pentecost, and then notice. Well, let me finish reading it. For so he had a point in minding himself to go afoot, and when he met with us at Asos, um, and came to Mytilene. And we sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried in Tragilium. And the next day we came to Miletus. For Paul determined to sail by Ephesus, because he would not spend time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be in Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost. So um, Paul's wanting to get back through Ephesus. He was determined to sail by Ephesus. And that's important that we remember where Paul is because we need to remember the message that Paul preached to that people group, what happened in that group. Again, we need to know the background, what's going on there. <clears throat> Interesting when you, I have degrees in theology. Uh, my undergrad is a bachelor's in theology in religion or theology. Um, and uh, you basically look at the whole Bible in a survey style. Um, and you can pick, you know, some some closer looks, you know, like the book of Revelation, the Book of John, the Book of Genesis, something like that. But overall you're doing like a New Testament survey, Old Testament survey, you're not really dialing in. But when you get into grad school, you start to kind of focus on Old Testament, New Testament. And then you begin to you begin to dial in. Um, I focused on New Testament, and then by the time I got to uh, post-grad, I was in basically prophecy. That's where I really wanted to focus. Um, But um, we also had to take classes that were called background studies classes. And I find these, I found them to be very interesting because they not only read the text, but they looked in the background. You know, what did what did the guy mean that he woke up in the middle of the night to open up the door for the guy that was insistent? You know, what did that mean to him? What kind of dwelling did he live in that made that such a pain <laughs> for him to do that? You know, uh, I really enjoyed the background studies classes. So, but but you need to remember as you're reading through here uh, where Paul was when he's saying what he says. For example, we're going to see here that he's dealing a lot with the Ephesians here. So when he wrote the book of Ephesians, we need to go back and forth with the book of Acts to understand what he's talking about or what he's nuancing or what he's referring to uh, in his book of Ephesians. Um, Because he did preach, and it's very obvious, I'm seeing it more and more every day as I study, two gospels in Ephesus. He did preach the kingdom gospel. He did preach the grace gospel, and that would become... Um, more obvious as we work our way through uh, even this very chapter. Now, notice Luke says he went before the ship. Uh, Again, he's pressed to get to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. Um, And I find it interesting that the apostles, including Paul, never walked away uh, from Judaism in regards to the feasts. Uh, In regards to being in the temple, making sacrifice, um, um, that's very interesting to me. I mean, to hear most modern dispensationalists speak, uh, you know, the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem was born in Acts chapter number 2, and they abandoned the temple. Um, That's not true. I mean, it's not true at all. Uh, They continued to make sacrifice. They continued in the temple. They continued to... To participate in the feasts, uh, why? Because we were—they were still very much under Old Testament, under Old Testament law. Uh, God, Jesus never told them abandon the temple. Jesus never told them to go down the street and you know start Calvary Chapel or whatever. I mean, it just didn't happen like that. Uh, the kingdom offer is still very much on the table, and the kingdom, you know, involves the temple. Um, and, and we forget, we forget that um, when we're reading through um, the scriptures. So notice he says, And from Miletus he sent Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said to them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. So now he's speaking to the elders of the church that is in um, Ephesus. And he reminds them how uh, he's been with them through all seasons. Of course, he's talking about good times, bad times, good, the bad, the ugly. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears (laughs) and many temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Uh, And we know that the unbelieving Jews just continued to turn on Paul. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But I have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house. So, again, Paul calls for the elders in Ephesus to express how he served them with tears, temptation, and the Jews who spoke against him. And notice how he taught publicly, and he taught from house to house. And I was testifying, he says in verse 21, both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you look at that verse, uh, he said, I testified to the Jews and I testified to the Greeks. To the Jews, I testified repentance toward God. To the Greeks, I testified faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Um. Again, I see Paul ministering to both here. Um, so the, the phrase, repentance toward God for the Jew, and faith toward God, toward our Lord Jesus Christ for the Greeks. Um, so it, it seems to me that he preached both messages while he was at Ephesus. Um, and then he says in verse 22, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing... The things that shall befall me there. He's determined to get to Jerusalem, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So now Paul tells them that he's going to Jerusalem bound in the Spirit. Now, Albert Barnes, who I, I just really like him, he, he's so direct. Um, he doesn't beat around the bush, he doesn't fluff it up. You know, some commentators, you got to read five paragraphs to see where he's going with this thing. Uh, Albert Barnes isn't like that. Uh, He says of this phrase, Paul is being strongly urged or constrained by the influences of the Holy Spirit, not by any desire just to see Jerusalem to be a tourist, and not urged merely by his fleshly reason, but by conviction and mighty promptings of the Holy Spirit. Um, now some, some translation, the King James does not capitalize, uh, the word spirit there, but if you look in the original, it is the word pneuma, uh, which is the Holy Spirit. Um, the, um, other translations do capitalize, uh, the word spirit in this verse, uh, we can see that... Let's see here in 2023. And I go bound the Spirit. In verse number 22, you see the King James there. Uh, the New American Standard, uh, bound in the Spirit. Uh, then the NIV is compelled by the Spirit, and it's capitalized. Um, and if you look there, the word Spirit is the word pneuma. Um God, Christ, spirit, the Holy Spirit, ghost, life, spirit. It's the same word when he comes down to verse 23, the Holy Spirit, pneuma. Um, So I I don't think Paul is necessarily referring to his own spirit. He's referring to the Holy Spirit is telling me to go. In other words, I'm not moving in the flesh to do this. Uh, And some commentators will accuse Paul of moving in the flesh. I mean, I, I stand amazed <laughs> at how much they'll accuse Paul of being misogynist, of, of moving in the, in the flesh, being prideful, being arrogant. They do the same thing with Peter. Um, I mean, just amazing. Um, and notice the words uh, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Uh, that just means bonds and, and, and afflictions await me. Or, or facing me. Uh, I know what I'm walking into. I've already been told uh, what I'm walking into when I get there. But none of these things, in verse 24, move me. Neither count I myself my life dear unto myself, so that I, that, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul says nothing that awaits him in Jerusalem will stop him because he does not count his life dear to himself. Um, You know, and the same thing can be said of us when we are walking in obedience. It doesn't become about me, myself, and I. It becomes about him. It's not what do I want. It's what does God want. Because what God wants is ultimately what we should want. You know, I, I think of fasting You know, I was always mistaught that fasting was basically twisting God's arm to do something for you. That's not what fasting is. Fasting is preparing myself for what God has already decided to do. Um, One man explained it to me like this. If you're on a little boat and you have a little anchor... And you throw that anchor out to the shore, and you begin to pull. Are you pulling the shore to you, or are you pulling the boat to the shore? Um, you're not pulling God. You know you're not guilting God into doing anything that He does not want to do or hadn't already preordained to do. Uh, you're pu- you're aligning yourself with the shore. Uh, the same thing can be said in regards to us seeking the will of God, and uh, We should have the same attitude as Paul. Um, And why is Paul so determined? Why is he um, so determined to finish his course with joy in the ministry that he's received? Because it came from the Lord. And it's to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Again, I believe that Paul stated once again what he preached did not come from the others, but from the Lord Himself. Uh, make no mistake that we are living in the Gospel of the Grace of God today. So He says, "For which I received from the Lord Jesus." Obviously, this was talking about the mystery that Paul received, not of men, but by the by the Lord Himself. In verse twenty-five. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Another verse that points to the gospel of the kingdom that Paul preached in Ephesus. So the only assumption that we can come to is that while Paul was given the gospel of grace, he still preached the gospel of the kingdom because the kingdom was still on the table. I mean, it's just... To me, it's just becoming obvious at this point. I mean, he was given the gospel of grace. Verse number 24, to testify to the gospel of grace that I received from the Lord. But in verse number 25, And now behold, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, I'll see your face no more. Now, of course, today these two gospels are mixed because evangelicals have attempted to mix covenant covenant and dispensational theology, instead of choosing to rightly divide the word of truth, like we are told to. So, so today we get a mixture of these two um, in the church, uh, and they're different, you know. And some may say, one guy looked at me the other day, called me on the phone, and said I got questions, you know, and I again to talked to him. He said, "Why is this so important?" Well, it's important to rightly divide. The word of truth. Again, you're not you're not dividing truth from error. You're dividing truth from truth. The gospel, of the kingdom is truth. The gospel of grace is truth. You know, <laughs> I mean, and it's important that we rightly divide. Who is Paul to- talking to, um, uh, and when and what is he saying to them? And when we get over into the book of Ephesians, we're going to see how important it is to realize that Paul is talking to both groups. And he goes back and forth. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a student of Scripture. Studying, I mean, don't be so lazy. Um, I mean, he just like I can talk to two people at one time, uh, Paul can too. Uh, so, um, anyways. Uh, and then verse number 26. <clears throat> Wherefore, therefore, in conclusion, as a result of everything I said, I take you to record this day, that I'm pure from the blood of all men. Um, So we'll get into that tomorrow. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day.